Welcome to The Author Show, where we feature new authors and books from fiction to self-help and everything in between. You'll find it all at theauthorshow.com. That's theauthorshow.com. And now let the show begin. Hello and welcome back to the show. This is your host, Don McCauley. Today we're welcoming your program author, Lee Woodman, and Lee is the author of Artscapes. Before I bring in today's guest, a quick reminder that selected interviews are available on our iPhone app, which can be downloaded in the App Store, as well as on TV on the Roku channel and Amazon Fire TV. Our app name on all platforms is simply The Author Show. Lee, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? Good. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself, please. Okay. Well, I'm a poet. I have four poetry collections that are all published under the title Scapes, all on different themes, but I've always been interested in art, dance, music, and theater, and poetry has been a way for me to combine all those interests. So tell us about this book. Artscapes is a collection of poems inspired by all kinds of artworks, painting, sculpture, music, and dance even. And from childhood, I've been fascinated with the various art forms and evocative language, and bringing them together is thrilling. Looking at artwork in museums and open spaces and listening to radio stations and going into small galleries... I find that artworks choose me. I find it strange but thrilling when a sculpture calls me over, a painting says, hey, look at me, or a piece of music asks, you hear me? You know what I'm talking about? It's kind of like that. Through poetry, I can invite readers then to come along with me and walk into a painting and around a sculpture and eavesdrop on conversations that I have with the artists through my poems. Now, who did you write your book for specifically? Who's your target audience? My target audience is all kind of a range of people. It's for art lovers. It's for poetry lovers. But I think it's also for educators, libraries, people who want to teach poetry well rather than in old, traditional, more pedantic, boring forms. I also think it's for men and women who love to travel and love to dabble in languages and hear sounds and music from all over the world. And I would say the most exciting new audience is millennials, well, 20, 30, and even younger people who are absolutely enchanted by hip hop and rap music and have gotten very familiar with slam competitions where they memorize their lyrics, they get up, they perform exquisitely. And now when I tell someone I'm a poet, instead of sort of going in the opposite direction, they say, oh, wow, that's so cool. So could you say there's any type of central message in this book? Yes. The central message is that all the books have to do with close observation and personal response, whether it's looking at nature or listening to language or researching an idea. It's quite rare for me that a poem just spills out. I stare and stare and stare at a piece of artwork or an object. And I usually write thoughts down in a little notebook, 
and go back over the notes and highlight what I call hot spots or phrases that make me rattle. And I do go online to research the artist or a particular piece of music or dance because I find the backstories of the artist's lives and the impulses that they followed quite fascinating. So I think about what other people have done with their own content and then reflect on the best poetic forms to echo that. So if you had to choose, what would you say is the single most important idea you're sharing in your book that's really going to add value to the reader's life? I think readers will be interested how satisfying and magical poetry can be. Some call it Don mouth music. And the corollary to the sound and the rhythm and the meter is how one art form inspires another. And here's an example. A photograph becomes a catalyst for a story. A cave painting is inspiration for a neon sculpture. The neon sculpture inspires a poem. And then this cycle of interactions keeps turning and turning and turning. It's sort of a never-ending universal spin. Now, if you could compare your book with any book out there we might already be familiar with, which book would it be and why? I think this is going to surprise you because there are many poets who have written ekphrastics, which is a difficult name for an easy concept. Ekphrastic means poems about artworks. And there are many poets through time who have written single poems about, for instance, William Carlos Williams about Bruegel paintings and Sylvia Plath about Rousseau artworks and so forth. But I compare my work more to performance art material, even though Artscapes was published as a paperback and a Kindle work. I think the concept is really more like installation pieces. And I would mention things like the multimedia immersive Van Gogh show traveling around the country now, or a ballet like Rites of Spring with orchestral work by a composer, Ivor Stravinsky. His music was based on pagan myths, which were actually narratives. And I recently felt huge resonance with Laurie Anderson's show at the Hershorn Museum, which combined art, music, dance, and dreams, even though she started in audio. And all of a sudden, here we have this extraordinary mix of 3D art form. Could you give us some examples of some of the pieces of art that you've based some of these poems on? Sure. One of them, and I'd like to read it to you, it's short. Is a poem based on a Warhol painting of Chairman Mao. And people know Andy Warhol's work and they know the multiple personality silk screens and paintings that he's done. I think this gives you a good example of how the painting in the National Gallery chose me. It's called Vanquor. Mao chooses me, massive man, square head. Solid stance, leader, CCP, deep purple background, violet wash, I must stop. Struck still in the gallery, I conjure his maker, Andy Warhol, because he's there too. 
golden plumage, same two tufts, right behind Mao, both heads the shape of Hello Kitty. Lurking from behind, Warhol slips into the chairman's left sleeve. Bodies morph, merge as portrait, breathe in unison. By reflex, my hand clasps my chest, autonomic gasp. I realize they're wearing my blouse, single button. Three is one, we pledge allegiance, hands crossing hearts, their countenance exactly mine. Stony stare, contemplating, Six nostrils blend into two. Our lipstick is lavender. Our chins set. Who is who? I am Chairman Mao. It's an example of looking something, not just looking at it, but going into it and imagining talking to the person in there or having two appearing personalities talk back. I just find that fascinating, and I think the circle of art just goes on and on and on. So, did your environment or upbringing play any major role in your writing? Oh my gosh, Don, that's my favorite question, because I think it played such a big role. First of all, one of the things that was unique about my childhood was that my family lived in France and India until I was 14. My mother and father were very curious. He was in education. She was a dancer. And they took us everywhere. They're very curious and interested in people of various nationalities and cultures. And they took my sisters and me to dance, street theater, parades, folk art, temples, mosques, and then to sprawling urban cities where you'd hear so many different sounds, and then very remote rural areas like the vast deserts of India, or the high Himalayas. And I think the experience shaped my perspective in every way. What I use to advantage in my writing is the skill of observation, comparing objects, Watching body language, that's a big thing because people in different countries move differently. Learning cultural habits, noticing a range of sound and rhythms. It all makes for really challenging and expert wordplay and good story narrative. So what can you tell us about this genre and why you decided to write in this genre? <laughs> poetry, poetry, poetry. Essentially, I've been writing all my life, but in other genres, I was a radio and television producer and did a lot of writing of those kind of scripts, worked in museums for a long time, so exhibition film scripts, and then in an online education company where I wrote history, music, and art modules for online education. At some point, I felt like it was time to return to my own creative work and as I just told you, as a child, my passions were dance, drama, music. And then in college, I actually was a visual artist. I took a BA and a master's in visual arts. And I'm sure many of the readers and listeners have changed their focus over time. But when I retired from the Smithsonian seven years ago, I took my first poetry class. And it was at the Writers' Center in Bethesda, Maryland. 
and almost fell off the chair. I was totally smitten and realized, oh my gosh, poetry as a writing form pulls together all my other interests. So that's where it started. So how would you describe your writing style? Well, my books have been branded by the word scapes, which can be actual landscapes or landscapes of the mind. Homescapes is about growing up overseas and coming to America as a teenager. Mindscapes is about wishes, lies, and dreams. <laughs> Lifescapes is about separation and divorce during COVID. And then artscapes is reflections on artworks. But I think the best answer to your question is there's a common approach to all of the poetry for me. It's about super close observation, research, exploring all the senses, sight, sound, smell, touch, and visuals. And I actually think there are many, many more than five senses and allowing the poems to take off by themselves. It's kind of fascinating how a specific nugget, sometimes a mundane seeming thing, like a kind of a chair or a specific bird or a limerick of some sort, all of a sudden can expand into a much bigger universality where readers and listeners say, oh yeah, I've noticed a bird that really fascinated me, or I have a chair that I'm really emotionally attached to, whatever that is. And I write free verse, but I also write all kinds of formal poetry. And people know uh, the terms like sonnets and haikus and odes, but there are 300 forms, including pantoums and villanelles and elegies. And I, I guess when it comes right down to it, you would say that the DNA of my writing is a combination of precision, wit, fantasy, and freedom. So in your opinion, who should buy your book? Well, I think bookstores, libraries, museum education and publication departments, teachers, book lovers and art enthusiasts, and young artists who are very interested in spoken word and slam competitions. Do you have a website? I do. Very easy to find. Poetleewoodman.com. All one word, poetleewoodman.com. And there are direct links to all the books, as well as sound recordings and videos. And I would love it if people come and sign up for my mailing list. You can find the stores that sell all the books. And uh, Don, thank you for all your great questions. You've given me such a chance to talk about my poetry. Well, this has been just great. Our guest today has been Lee Woodman, and she is the author of Artscapes. Lee, thanks very much for being with us today. My pleasure, Don. This is Don McCauley wrapping up another edition of The Author Show. Go out there, buy the book today, and please share this interview with your friends so that they, too, have the opportunity to discover our guests and their work. The Author Show can be accessed at any time at theauthorshow.com. Selected interviews can also be found on major platforms like Amazon Fire TV, the Roku Channel, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Music, and many more. And whether you're an author who would like to be featured or a reader in search of new books to read, the Author Show is a great place to start. Check us daily as we continue to introduce wonderful authors of very interesting books on The Author Show. Thanks for listening to The Author Show. Find out more about authors and their work at theauthorsshow.com. 
theauthorshow.com. Tune in next time to another great author on The Author Show.